You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Well, man, good to be with you guys today, and I want to start out by asking a question. Why in the world, 15 years ago, would we plant a church in the heart of downtown San Antonio when for churches, uh, the way to grow to church, the number one factor in growing churches is to have a big parking lot? Do we have a big parking lot? No. And why is it that a lot of you drive all the way downtown, you pass a lot of good churches to get to this church downtown and try and find an obscure hidden parking garage just to be able to park, and then you're walking over here, you might step over or around some homeless people or some people that are on drugs or whatever, and you do all that to come into a quirky theater to worship. Why would you do that? Well, oh, it's nice of you to say that. And so we'll spend the rest of our time together to figure it out and talk about why it's significant and important that we're here and what we're doing here. In order to do this, we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul, who many years ago was called by God to go to a city called Corinth. And Corinth wasn't just any city. It was kind of like the Las Vegas of the ancient world, right? What happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth a lot of times, you know? It was a wild place. And God was calling Paul to go to that city and to plant a church, and he was afraid to do it. And so we're going to see today what God said to Paul about the city of Corinth, and then what God would say through Paul to that wild city of Corinth. So if you would, stand with me now for the reading of God's word. We're going to start out in Acts chapter 18, verse 9, where the scriptures say, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I'm with you, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this what? City belong to me. And then here's what God said through Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So before you sit down, I want to just share a couple of things with you. Number one is that there's no reason to fear the city. Love casts out. Perfect love casts out fear, doesn't it? The other thing I want to let you know is that I love you. I really do. And it's been one of the greatest honors of my life to be your pastor over the past 15 years. And I just treasure it, honor it, and thank you for allowing me to be your pastor over the past 15 years. And you know, uh, there's really one simple idea we're going to explore today, and it's this. Love the city with maturity. So before you sit down, turn to someone next to you and tell them, Love the city with maturity, and then take a seat. So that's really the two parts of what we're going to talk about today, is loving the city and with maturity. So let's start out by talking about loving the city. You know, 16 or 17 years ago, I was a teaching pastor at a suburban megachurch, and I loved it there. It was a great church, continues to be this day. Um... But when I would study my Bible, 
You know, when you have your God times and you read your Bible or whatever, I'd read, read my Bible and the word city was always highlighted in my Bible readings. I don't know why, I just kept seeing the word city. And then I started reading and listening to pastor and author Tim Keller, the late Tim Keller, who just passed away recently. And he was a very influential author and pastor, a brilliant man. And he challenged believers to go into urban areas. And he challenged a generation of pastors like me to plant churches in urban settings because at that time, many Christians were bailing out of the cities and trying to get away from the cities for more comfortable environments. And then I started reading a guy named Ray Bakke, who was an urban ministry expert. And Ray Bakke references a Chicago newspaper article that's titled, Why Evangelicals Can't Survive the Cities. And what he said in the article is the reason that a lot of Christians can't survive in cities is because so many Christians are obsessed with their own comfort and convenience. Comfort and convenience. And I thought about that back in those days because I thought I was spiritually mature. And when I really thought about it, I thought really a lot of my life is about my own comfort and convenience and my own safety. And so what was happening was, was God was drawing Jeannie and I to come down here into the inner city to plant a church from the comfortable suburban life that we had. We had a great church. We uh, had a really nice, energy-efficient house, you know, and those of you that live in old houses know that they're not so energy-efficient, and there's a lot of work to deal with, and we were, we'd already started the church down here, and God was calling us to act, literally move our family down here, and the real estate market was very different in those days than it is now, and we are not one of those families that can afford two house payments, so we had to sell our house out in the suburbs in order to afford to buy a house down here in the urban core, and we put our house on the market and couldn't sell it three times. Like at that time, it's like we couldn't sell our house out there. I know that sounds crazy in San Antonio because most houses sell quickly now. But in those days, it was hard. And it was doubly hard for us because our kids were little at that time. And you know how little kids mess up the house when you're trying to clean up the house so that people can come over and look at the house, you know, when you're showing the house. And we struck out. I mean, it's like three times. And I figured maybe we just struck out and we're not going to be able to move into the inner city. And it made me doubt the word that God had given me because the word that God had given us was the word City, And so I was frustrated one day. I was down here at the Cameo, and I called my dear friend, Lorenzo, who's been with us since we planted this church 15 years ago. And I said, Lorenzo, man, maybe I didn't hear the word city from God. Maybe I just ate a bad burrito or something that day, you know, and I just deceived myself or something like that. And he did something that really made me mad. Lorenzo quoted one of my own sermons on me. That's for you people. I don't have to do this stuff, right? But uh, uh, then he says, Doug, on this phone call, he said, Doug, God did speak the word city to you, and God just has something better for you than what you thought. And so I received that encouragement that day because I had been very frustrated in trying to find a house downtown, couldn't sell our house out in the suburbs and all that. And that very day, I was driving through one of the urban neighborhoods down here, trying to make my way to the highway to drive all the way back out to our former house in Holotus, and I saw this house for sale that I had not seen before. And to make a long story short, we looked it up online, showed it to my wife, realtor, all that, and it would work perfectly for 
our family. Because, you know, for me, I can live in a van down by the river, but I got a wife, right? And she, you know, happy wife, happy life, happy spouse, happy, happy you know, life there. So um, happy house if you got a happy spouse. And so um, I showed it to my wife, and she's like, this floor plan could work for what we need. And so we thought, do we dare put our suburban house on the market one more time and sell it so maybe we can make a move on the downtown house? So we decided to put our house on the market one more time, a fourth time. And when we did, the good news is that in two weeks, we had two families in a bidding war over our suburban house. The bad news is someone else got the downtown house under contract, so we couldn't get it. So now we were about to be a homeless family, and we would really relate to the homeless people that are living downtown. But thank the Lord that Humby and Lauren Sebeta allowed us to live in the one-room casita in their backyard. So a family of four and two cats moved into a one-room casita in Humby's backyard. It was fun. (laughs) So the frustration continued to mount because... Then we're living in this one-room casita, you know, with a couple of kids and the cats, you know, and their kitty litter and the whole nine yards, right? And we're looking around for houses. We couldn't find anything that worked. I mean, it was very, very frustrating. And when we had this friend at church, a lady who was a fairly new believer, and she comes to us and she says, look, I had a dream. And I'm thinking, oh, no, here we go. She had a dream. And she says, in my dream, I saw you guys go to the downtown house that you really wanted and you anointed it with oil, and then you blessed it in the dream. And to be honest with you, I kind of rolled my eyes, you know, like, whatever, you charismaniac, what are you talking about? You're, you're, I know this kind of stuff. You don't know what you're talking about, right? So, anyways, we kept looking for houses. We couldn't find anything that would work. So, one day, I tell Jeannie, I'm like, hey, what if we just humble ourselves and do what our friends saw in her dream? I mean, what have we got to lose? So we drive by a Walgreens and Jeannie goes into the Walgreens and she buys the last bottle of cooking oil off of the shelf. Because I guess Walgreens was out of house anointing oil, if you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> so we drive over to the house that we really wanted downtown that someone else had under contract, and I don't know how to anoint a house. What do you just shake oil in the yard, or what do you do? And we got our kids in the car, and we're walking up there, and my son was a tweener at the time, and he's yelling out the window, you're trespassing. I'm like, shh, So we're like sneaking up on the front porch, you know, so nobody hears us. And I don't know how to anoint a house. So I figured maybe you do it like Passover. I stuck my finger in the oil and I rubbed a little oil on the door frame of the house. And with my other hand, I took my wife Jeannie's hands and I prayed. And I said, God, bless the people that own this house. Bless the people that have this house under contract right now. Bring your kingdom here, and if you want us to live here, we'd gladly receive it. Look, I got back in my car with the whole family. We're driving away on our way back over here to the Cameo, and I get a phone call from our realtor. And she says, Doug, I think this is a God thing. I just got a call that the people that had your downtown house that you wanted under contract They just backed out. So I put a backup offer in for you. You have that downtown house under contract right now. 
and Jeannie could hear it because it was unspeakable. It's like she started crying. I may have leaked a little testosterone myself, you know? <laughs> Check out my son in the back seat. He's all, oh, I've got to admit, I've just experienced a miracle. <laughs> well, remember, the word that God had given us was the word city. And I brought a picture for you of the street that we now live on down here. City street, right on. So when God speaks a word, it's going to happen. And we're not downtown because of the trend of urban living. We're downtown because of a word from God and a calling by God. And look, I know that the biggest and most influential churches in San Antonio are outside Loop 1604. And there's nothing wrong with suburban churches. There are lots of people that live there and God loves people and he wants to reach all the people there. But we also understand that if we were to move further out, we could have big parking lots and bigger buildings and a bigger church. We could do it. I've done it before. I know how to do it. I also know that if we were out there, we could reach people that make more more money, but God wants there to be good churches in the heart of this city because downtown's everyone's neighborhood, and as downtown goes, so goes the whole of the city, and so we believe there needs to be good urban churches as well, and I'm going to show you five reasons today why it's important that we love the city. Number one, Paul loved cities. We already showed you how Paul was told by God to love the city of Corinth, even though it was to him a scary place. And if you were to look back at church history and the New Testament, the early Christian missionaries went exclusively into cities. That's the only place they went. Ray Bakke, the urban ministry expert, said, mission is no longer just about crossing the oceans, jungles, and deserts, but about crossing the streets of the world's cities. But here's number two. Isaiah loved cities. In fact, a lot of Bible scholars call Isaiah the urban prophet because he constantly talks about urban realities. Go with me to Isaiah's book, uh, chapter 61, verse 4. He says, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the Former devastations, they shall repair the ruined what? Cities, is what it says there. Look at number three. Nehemiah loved cities. This is a guy that he just couldn't stand it when he saw his city going to ruin. And look at what he says in Nehemiah chapter two, verse five. He says, you send me to Judah to rebuild the what? The city, because cities are so important to God. But look at number four. Culture and influence move from the global cities out to the suburbs and out to the country. See? Government, the arts, and all the other cultural pillars are in the inner city. And they move out to the suburbs into the country. So we help to support a church plant in London, England, one of the great urban, you know, global cities. And I can just tell you this, that our philosophies of life and even our fashion, some hipster in London or Tokyo or New York was wearing everything that you're wearing right now five or ten years ago. Because influence of every sort goes from the global cities out to the rest of the world. But look at number five. Heaven is going to be a garden city. 
If you don't like cities now, you're going to love the great city of heaven. Go with me to Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. And it says, I saw the holy what? City, the new Jerusalem coming down. And so heaven is not us going up to clouds in the sky, but heaven is actually coming down to earth. It's going to be a garden, beautiful city with a river in the middle of it, right? And this is why Jesus told us to pray a certain way. If you go to Matthew chapter 6, I believe it is, verse 10, he says, your kingdom, a word to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we're trying to do in and through our church is bring the kingdom of God to earth the best we can in this dispensation of time and help people to encounter Jesus and the kingdom of God here uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And this continues to be important because our urban core continues to develop and more and more people are moving here. And some of you perhaps have read about how the Lone Star Brewery is being developed right now. This is a massive development that's going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $600 million. And I know people have tried to you know, renovate the Lone Star Brewery before and failed, but this new firm is making progress and we're hoping and praying that it works out for them. It seems to be working out so far. Others of you perhaps have read about a 29-story residential tower that's going in at Hemisphere right downtown along with uh, a retail center there. Others of you perhaps have read about or seen that the Friedrich, uh, Friedrich Building, you know, right down the street, down Commerce, here, it's now uh, being developed, and it's going to be a massive development there uh, right down the street at the Friedrich Building. I think it's going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $93 million to redo the Friedrich Building. And then there's the San Pedro Creek redevelopment. And some of you have seen phase one uh, done on the San Pedro Creek, but they're continuing to develop it. So what that means is we're going to have two river walks in downtown San Antonio, the regular river walk, as well as San Pedro Creek. I could go on and on all day about all the development that's going on in downtown San Antonio, but there's a uh, state demographer. He's also a professor at UTSA. His name is Lloyd Potter, and he explains that for two years in a row, San Antonio has ranked second in the nation in growth if you look at the raw numbers of people that have moved here in a year. A lot of people are moving to our city and here's what he says. The city is showing strong growth in both its suburban ring and urban core and it probably is an indication of the kinds of jobs that are being created here and that young professionals are finding San Antonio to be an attractive place to live, to work in. So our city is growing. And I want to honor you guys, and I want to encourage and applaud you guys because a lot of you are loving this city by becoming volunteer eagles right here at City Tribe Church and serving people in the heart of the city. And if you've ever volunteered in any capacity at this church, I honor you and I thank you and encourage you for doing that. Others of you are loving the city by investing in our city. You've created small businesses here that have created jobs and brought cultural good to people here in our city. Others of you love the city by staying in the city. That Some of you, like Jeannie and I, were compelled to move into the inner city, but others of you grew up in the inner city. You got a great job. You could leave the inner city where you grew up to uh, get more square footage in your house for a cheaper price, but you decided to remember your roots and stay where you grew up to invest in people in the city. Others
others of you are serving your neighbors, inviting the church, you're loving the city that way. Others of you love the city by driving down here from the suburbs and the exurbs. And you drove by a lot of really great churches to get down here and deal with parking and all the challenges in the inner city. And I think it speaks a lot about you and your heart that you would love your city so much that you'd be willing to drive all the way down here on Sundays to worship and to serve. And then others of you were moved to San Antonio. Maybe a job moved you here or the military brought you here. And in a sense, you know, you're like feeling exiled here. And by the way, all, uh, you know, we're known as Military City USA now. Did you know that? So this is that we are Military City USA. And no matter whether it was the military or a company that brought you here, some of you are like, man, I feel exiled in San Antonio. It's not like back home or where I'm from or whatever. And, um, you know, it's different and all this kind of thing from where I grew up. But I want to challenge you like I challenge all of us with a message to exiles from an ancient prophet, Jeremiah. He talked to a group of people that felt exiled in a city of Babylon. And here's what he said to him in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse five. He said, build homes and plan to stay. He said, marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away and work for the peace and prosperity of the what? City where I sent you into exile. And then he says, pray to the Lord for it, for, look at this last phrase, its welfare will determine your welfare. See? As the city goes, so goes the rest of the world. If we let the cities go, then it will affect our own welfare, see? And I believe God is doing a great work all over this city. Sure, he's growing some big churches outside 1604, and I'm glad he's doing that. But he's also doing great churches in the whole of the city. And you know, we have city tribers living in all the urban neighborhoods now. I mean, there I know city tribers that live over in Southtown, you know, like King William and Lavaca, and others live over here on the east side in Dignity and Denver Heights. And I know city tribers that live like on the urban west side. You know, any Wessos here today? Wessos? Don't shoot me, Wessos, right? It's, it's all good, right? Uh, I know other city tribers that uh, live at the Pearl and live in the Dallas. Echo District and Alamo Heights, and there are people, God's moving on the east side, the west side, the north side. God's even moving among you on the south side, right? I love south siders, right? I, I love doing that. I don't know why I love doing that whole south side thing, but uh, I just love doing that. God's working all over the city, and one of the things that's happened in recent years is that our church has become like a regional church. So I'll show you a picture of these dots on the map of where city tribers live, and this is just within Loop 1604, there are others that are driving to church here from other towns and stuff. So God is on the move. And um, look, the, the pandemic was hard on churches all over the country, and it was hard on our church, no doubt. But God, by his grace, has been moving in our church, and we're growing and recovering from the pandemic right now. And I thank the Lord for that. Let me give you some pers perspective of this. Is that last year for Easter, we rented the big SP Sunset Station to have a big Easter event. We did a couple services over there and it felt really big. 
But did you know that this year for Easter, we stayed here at the Cameo, and in order to create space, we did video venue right next door at the little spire building that you can see pictured on screen, and we just did an extra service. And did you know that this year, we had 300 more people at our Easter service than we did last year at the big event place? In addition, so God's moving there, right? But check this out. In addition... Easter this year, we saw 50 baptisms here, which is the most number of baptisms we've had on a single day since before the pandemic. And so we thank the Lord for that because each one of those lives matters to God. So we've seen how we've got to love the city, but now let's look at the second half of that idea, and that is we want to love the city with maturity. See, with Maturity. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And look, we've been loving the city for 15 years now. And you know what happens when girls turn 15. It's Kintiata time, right? And so that girl is no longer a girl, but she's, come, she's become a woman. Even though she still lives at home, she's kind of a woman, right? So uh, that's, that's what's happening with us is I believe that God is calling us today and he's encouraging us today to take steps of spiritual maturity in our individual lives. And God has been working on me personally and prompting me to scale back on some hobbies in my life and some stuff and material possessions in order to be able to give more and give more of my time away to grow in maturity. And as a tribe, as a church, I believe that God is calling us to a new place of maturity as the people of God to grow in maturity as disciples of Jesus. And this kind of came to me or was highlighted for me when Jeannie and our daughter and I, we went to that Asbury outpouring or revival. Some people have called it. If you've not heard of it, basically what happened was there's this little town in Wilmore, Kentucky, where there's a university and there's these college students that they started worshiping at a chapel service and they wouldn't quit worshiping and praying. It's like college students. And they're praying and worshiping through the night 24-7. It lasted over two weeks and hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world went there, including pastors like me and other well-known pastors, not to get a mic and say anything, but just to be in the thick presence of God. I mean, when you got there, it just smacked you in the face, the, the gentle, loving, wonderful presence of God and his spirit. It's like a real outpouring of God and his uh, spirit there. In Wilmore, and while I was there, I was not only captivated by the presence of God, but it's like the Spirit was drawing me to read and reread Isaiah chapter 42, like over and over again. And I kept reading it and rereading it, even when I got home. And I want to show you a passage from Isaiah 42, verse 9, where he says, The prophet says, The former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things, I proclaim them to you. And God is doing a new thing in this church that I'm not in control of. I'm just trying to get along and ride the wave of what he is doing here. And you're a part of the new thing that he's doing here. You say, well, what's different? Well, our mission is the same. We're still here to help people who feel far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus. But the how that we do it is being tweaked 
and evolving just a bit. We used to depend heavily on the production and programs of a church, but now we're relying more heavily on the presence of God. And that's a significant shift there. So when we come into these services, we come in here organized most of the time. And, uh, you know, this song's going to be here and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And what we're learning is, is that what God wants to do in our services sometimes doesn't fit with our schedule. And we have to submit to his schedule and his presence, not what we've organized and put together. You follow me on that? And there have been times since we started this journey that all four of the services have been different on a given Sunday because we're submitting to his presence, not just our program, if you, if you follow me on that. And we're learning. Uh, we're growing in this. It's not so much about the smoke and lights and the show of it anymore. It's more about us just saying, hey, look, what we need is not just a show. What we need is the presence of Jesus in the room. And if he does stuff that's like surprising to us or weird to us, then we just have to roll with that and we have to get on board with what he wants to do. Now, another thing that's tweaking, changing a little bit in this new thing is that uh, it's always been a part of our mission to help people grow, to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. But what's dawned on me is that I need to step up. This part's on me. Is that in an effort to get people to like me, and you know, I'm a nice guy, and I like people like me, and I, I want to be mindful of those of you that are irreligious and never been to church, and I want to make sure that church doesn't freak you out too much. But in an effort to do all of that, I've not challenged you who are believers enough. And so in the future, there are going to be some times where I'm going to have to talk real straight to you. And um, some of you are going to get mad at me. And you're going to want to cancel me. And you're going to leave and stuff like that. But see, it's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. And, and this is what we're moving towards is maturity. Um, full devotion to Christ. And uh, some of you, perhaps even today, are going to be challenged to a new level of maturity. Because I can tell you this. Maturity in Christ is not about coming and sitting on one of the colorful chairs on your butt. Maturity is getting up and doing stuff. Maturity is spending time in the word of God, reading it most days. Maturity is sharing Christ with your friends. Maturity is being generous to the poor and generous with your resources for kingdom purposes. See, uh, maturity is moving in the gifts of God's spirit. See, this is where we're moving as a church is that we're, you know, we're going to grow as fully devoted followers of Jesus. And uh, you may be asking me, look, I, I still understand that there's somebody that came here and you don't believe in God or any of this, you know, Jesus Bible stuff. And you, you just got a hot girlfriend and you came to church with her or your mom made you come or you're just being nice to someone or whatever to, to come along to, to church. And you're saying, well, well, what does all this have to do with me? Well, look, if you've never believed or if you believed for 30 years, I believe that Jesus is inviting you into something. If you've never believed in him, look, we want to talk real straight to you. If what the Bible says is true, you die, if you die and have not believed, you'll go to hell. That's what the Bible teaches. 
But we don't want, you know, that's not our heart's desire. It's not even God's heart's desire. God wants, he said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repent. I mean, God wants everybody to come to know him. Right? He doesn't, there's no reason for you to have, you'll have to step over Jesus' dead body in order to get to hell. He doesn't want you to go there. His invitation to you is to believe that he died on the, the cross for your sin so that you can be a part of his heavenly city someday, the new Jerusalem that's going to happen in the future. And then those of us that believe the challenge for us today, the step of maturity for us today is to step into full devotion to him. Look at what Jesus did in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw what? The city. And he wept over it. And I wonder if we're people that when we look over a city, we just go, meh. Or do we weep over it because there are sheep without a shepherd? Do we weep over our city because we know that people are going to plunge into an eternity of hell without knowing Jesus? Do we weep over our city because people are struggling with emotional illnesses and depression and anxieties and struggles of every sort? Do we weep over our city? Do we really care? Because a first step for us is to shape what we care about, to care about the things that Jesus cares about, which is people. See? You know, Jesus wept for the people of the city. So much so, I believe his weeping began when he was in heaven. And his tears affected him so much that he was willing to leave where he was comfortable in heaven to move in with us to be born in a manger, to minister in the Galilee. And then God had brought him into the city where he would do miracles and serve people and love people. And in the city, he was condemned to die on that cross. They took him outside the city and crucified him, you know, drove the nails into his hands and his feet. And he died for my sin and for yours. But then Three days later, he rose again from the dead and physically, bodily, historically showed himself to hundreds of people in the city. And then he ascended into heaven. And someday the Bible promises that he will return again to the city of Jerusalem to set up his earthly kingdom. Why would he go through all that? Because he shed tears for you. I believe Jesus looks over our city and some of us and he weeps because he wants us in love relationship with himself. And if you've never believed in him, there's no better time to do that than today. You know, the Bible teaches today's the day of salvation. You do not know what a day might bring forth. James tells us that our life is like a vapor, man. It's just here one day and then it's just poof, gone. You don't know when you're going to die. I don't either. And perhaps God brought you here today so you could believe in him. So I want to talk more about maturity, but can we just stop, take a little time out here and pray? Because someone in here wants to pray and begin love relationship with God through Jesus. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're, you're a person that you want to believe in him today, just talk to him and say something like this. You know, just say, hey, God, look, I know I've sinned. I confess it. But right now in this moment, I choose the best I understand it to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross 
for my sin. And he rose again from the dead that I would live a whole different life. And I want to step into that life under the lordship of Jesus, who is Lord of all. Thank you for coming into my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you know, the tears came from Jesus because he cares for us. And he'll transfer those tears to us. You know, I'm making adjustments in my life right now. You know what motivates me to make adjustments are my tears. And I had some of those tears recently. I met this kid named Nick at City Youth. And I brought a picture of Nick, super awesome kid. And many months ago, when I came down here on City Youth Night, which Wednesday nights, and I, I saw Nick there and I didn't recognize him. I said, hey, Nick, man. Or I didn't say, hey, Nick. I didn't know him. I said, hey, my name's Doug. What's your name? He said, Nick. I said, hey, Nick, what made you come to, to City Youth? What made you come to this church? You know what he said? He said, my mom was murdered by the Mexican mafia. And I came here just to make sense of it. I was like, whoa. Let that land on you for a minute. What would you feel if during your formative years, your mom was murdered? Just trying to make sense of it. That was many months ago. Nick and his family have continued to come here. And I was here just a couple of weeks ago. And I was sitting right down here during the music at City Youth behind Nick and some of the guys from his tribe group who are teenage guys. And they had their arms around each other. And sometimes they'd have an arm around one of their friends and they'd have another arm in the air worshiping Jesus. And now Nick has a warm support group and system where he's learning about Jesus and he's worshiping Jesus. Right on? And I'm telling you, that kid and all the other kids are worth our tears, worth our service, our generosity, and our love. Because Jesus looks over the city and cries over the city. And remember earlier, I told you that sometimes I'm going to have to push on you a little bit or maybe challenge you a little bit more. And here's what some of you, I want you to just think about. Have you grown too comfortable in your faith? How long's it been since you've done anything that challenged you spiritually? See? Are you just kind of kicking it? You know? Uh, you, you know, just chilling the comfortable American dream. Well, the kingdom of dream, kingdom dream is different than the American dream. I can assure you of that. And maybe today is the day where you make a commitment to say, you know what? Most Sundays, I just sleep in, and I don't go to church. Maybe today you'd say, I'm going to take a step towards maturity, and I'm going to get here, where I have the best opportunity to perhaps, you know, hear a word from God. Maybe for others, you're going to begin to, like, crack open that dusty Bible or download the Bible app so you can, like, I don't know, maybe read God's Word pretty regularly. Or maybe some of you are being called to move into the city or continue to drive in the city or go to tribal orientation or sign up for a tribe group or cultivate or whatever. I don't know. But step into that. And look, you know, the first step, once you believe, 
is Jesus challenged us all to be baptized, not when your mama believed for you and made you get baptized as an infant, but when you made the choice to believe. How many of you know people that got baptized as infants? They grew up and didn't care a thing about God and didn't even believe in God anymore. But baptism is to happen after you made the choice to believe. And so we've got some people that are signed up for baptism today. Um, Would you stand up if you're signed up for baptism today? Can we applaud these folks as they're saying, hey, I want to believe. And so uh, if you, uh, those of you that are uh, uh, registered for baptism, come on down here and line up down here by the bottom of the steps uh, to my right, your left. And here's the challenge I want to make to some of you while they're making their way here. Is that if you have believed in him and not yet been baptized, I want to encourage you to go out to the lobby right now. Just get up, hear me, just right now. Go out there and tell them, hey, I'd like to be baptized at this service today um, because I believed and I I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, you know? And look, we we won't even make you get baptized in a Speedo or something weird. We'll give you clothes to wear, you know? I watched a guy get baptized at one of our recent baptisms like in expensive sneakers, okay? Because that guy was just like, hey, I don't care. I'm getting baptized and I'm doing it today. I don't care what anybody thinks. And look, it's not like you're being baptized in front of a group of people that are going to make fun of you or try and cancel you for believing in Jesus. You're getting baptized in front of a group of people that want to applaud you. And so here's the way this goes in case you're new here. When people get dunked under the water and come back out, uh, man, you cheer for him, them and uh, honor them and you know, yell for them and clap for them. And then once the baptisms are completed, uh, then stand up and sing along with us. But don't forget, some of you... It's your first step. Some of you, I I don't want to belabor the point, but you have a window of opportunity to take a step of faith to be baptized. It may be time to take your little spiritual passy out and take off your your spiritual diapers and go out there and get registered to be baptized right here today because we're taking steps of maturity right on. And so, uh, Father, we thank you for the awesome baptisms that are going to take place today. And so let's worship together as we experience this beautiful, multi-sensory experience the Bible calls baptism.
on such beauty and we just proclaim together that there's nothing better than you man ice cream and fajitas are not better than you man blue bonnets are not better than you fiesta is not better than you even the spurs are not better than you lord we thank you that you are the greatest glory and pleasure in all the universe and we can't believe that you would allow such wonder and goodness to such as us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy to us as a people. Thank you that it was in your heart and it was your word that was spoken to plant a church in the heart of the city. So for all the good that happens here, we want to get way out of the way of glory and point it all towards you and thank you and honor you and praise you and give you props for all the baptisms and all the good things that happen here because it was all in your heart before the foundation of the world. So we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Anybody want to give it up for the Lord today? Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you guys take a load off for a minute as I wrap up the service? Just a couple of things I want to make you aware of. One is that um, uh, we've been talking about loving the city today, right, with maturity. And one of the things we're going to see is that when you love the city with maturity, love speaks. And so next week, we're going to talk about how love speaks. So make sure and come on back for that. Um, one other thing I want to mention that we mentioned from week to week is the way that we fund all of this is through our regular tithes and offerings. If you're new to church or don't buy into all this or believe in any of it, we totally understand if you don't participate in the financial part, you know, it's kind of awkward to talk to people about giving money at church or whatever for obvious reasons. Um, but those of us that believe in Jesus really just say, hey, you know, uh, where your, Jesus says where your treasure is, your heart be also. And so we want to invest in stuff that matters. You know, the people that were baptized here, it's like, I got a friend that, here in the church, his dad was baptized, you know. What price do you put on that? It's like, you know, families coming together, a husband, a wife, a child, baptized. And that, that's the stuff that matters in this world is people, and that's what God cares about. And so we bring like starting point, like tithe and, and even offerings above that. And since we don't pass buckets or plates, because we don't want the offering part to be feel more awkward or anything, we do it one of four ways. You can mail your offerings in. You can text to tithe. You can go to the giving stations located near the exits, or you can go to our website on any device, citytribe.church slash tithe. So um, before you guys worship through your generosity, 
and financial stewardship, um, I figured since it's our 15th anniversary, I should write a poem for you guys. And so if you guys don't mind, stand up for uh, the benediction poem, and it's entitled Love the City with Maturity. So listen up, my brothers and sisters, level up, elevate your whispers. I'm here to challenge you to a new direction, to mature your faith and embrace reflection. No need to fear, love puts you in the clear. Did you hear how Jesus walked the streets? He healed the sick. He showed compassion, a love that's so thick. So put away your childish ways. Step up to this new day. It's time to grow up. Let's be mature. No more apathy. Jesus is the cure, not just in church, but out in the city. Is anyone willing to serve in the nitty-gritty? Embrace maturity. Break down the wall. Let love prevail. Answer his call. No matter their color, creed, or past, let's show them Jesus, a peace that will last. Let's heal the broken. Uplift the weak with boldness. Let our faith speak. Feed the hungry, clothe the poor, just like Jesus did. Let's do even more. In loving our city, we'll find our true purpose. Maturity goes way beneath the surface. My brothers and sisters, let's rise above, embrace the challenge, and share God's love. Love the city with maturity, my friends. For when we do, our faith transcends. Love the city with maturity. Let this be the anthem the city of San Antonio will see. You guys have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.